This is episode 27 of the No Limits Podcast. Welcome back, and we are very glad that you're here. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How bad does it suck then to get to that moment only to find out your gear has failed? You should never tolerate gear failure. Tangle Free delivers gear that functions exactly as it's designed to every time, year after year after year. I always say don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you're a valuable No Limits subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Just enter promo code PASSION at checkout. Think about how much you can save as you stock up for this coming season on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds and decoys. TangleFree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping. Is your coffee hunter-friendly? Do you really know where your coffee comes from? Who are you really paying to get it here? And what are the political ideologies and agendas of the buyers and middlemen? What if I told you there's a coffee producer that buys directly from the farmer, cuts out the anti-Second Amendment, anti-hunting middlemen, supports the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, and has a great-tasting, full-bodied, delicious coffee? Hunter's Blend Coffee is that company. We had Paul and Mike on the podcast explaining their revolutionary approach to their direct trade model and the impact it's made on the poor farming communities. I invite you to go back and listen to episode 16 of the podcast. This new purchasing model has put money back into the farming communities, helped open churches, uh, made health care available, and has absolutely changed lives, not to mention helped fight terrible anti-hunting and anti-Second Amendment legislation where we need it most, in the courtroom. Head over to huntersblendcoffee.com and use the promo code NOLIMITS, all one word, at checkout and get 10% off of, off of your order. You're going to buy coffee, like me. Why not have it delivered from a company that has your hunting and Second Amendment rights in mind and supports your right to hunt and save 10% in the process? Great coffee, great mission, Hunters Blend Coffee. The podcast is also brought to you by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. The Revelation Outdoors mission is to help spread the gospel of Christ through waterfowl hunting. We leverage several different mediums or delivery methods to do that, either through our social media pages and our Passion of Pursuit short film series that is produced by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry and Motion Culture Media. Our favorite way to share the way we experience Jesus in waterfowling is through live presentations, either at men's events, wild game dinners, or other places where sportsmen and women gather. We have been invited to speak at events all over the country, and we absolutely love connecting with our fellow sportsmen and women and talking about how God changed our lives, not through religion, but through a personal relationship with Christ. We are not religious guys, and we stress that. We are guys just like the rest of you all, and we have found that when we are able to break through a lot of the religious fog that a lot of us were were raised in that surrounds us, we are able to show the simplicity found in God's plan of salvation. So if you have an event coming up and you need a speaker, we'd love to talk to you. You can connect with us on social media or through our website, revelationoutdoors.com. All right. My guest today is Dr. Brooks Tiller. Brooks is a doctor of physical therapy and author of The Healthy Hunter, Becoming the Ultimate Predator, which is a book about improving, not being perfect, not becoming perfect, but improving 
your health so that you can live longer and be a mentor and leader to the people that you love. Brooks has a unique style of blending two of the things that I really love, and that's hunting and becoming the man that God expects you and I to be. Brooks and I had a great discussion about the foods that we put into our bodies and how we can be a bit more mindful and make better choices. We talk about how making a lasting change in our lives is simple, but it's not easy. It's going to take time, and it's going to take work. Look in the mirror. If you don't like what you see, realize that did not happen overnight. So neither can you undo it overnight. But guys like Brooks provide a ton of really good information on how to eat better and how to exercise smart. We also talk about Brooks's appearance on American Ninja Warrior and what that whole crazy experience was like. I uh, went back and watched it. It's awesome. I had an absolute blast having Brooks in the studio and digging into a topic that's really grabbed my attention, something I've become pretty passionate about. We start out by reading a few of the chapters in Healthy Hunter to set up the whole discussion, so let's get started with The Healthy Hunter Becoming the Ultimate Predator with our guest, Dr. Brooks Tiller. All right, all right. childhood was spent running around the woods of middle tennessee during the summers i tagged along with my dad and grandfather as we fished in numerous creeks rivers lakes and ponds then as the cold weather hit i'd tromp into the woods following them in search of deer squirrel rabbit and quail i followed these two great men and in the process learned how to hunt fish and be a steward of the wilderness through watching them my love of the outdoors grew stronger and deeper with every trip into the wild we were the three amigos. All they were doing the heavy lifting while I played in the dirt, I still loved every moment in the wilderness with my best friends. The summer before I turned 18, Papa had a stroke. He fought back and got a little better, but he never fully recovered. He passed away just a few weeks before deer season began. At 17 years old, I had lost not only my grandfather, but one of my closest friends and mentor. I'm so grateful for every moment I had with him and blessed to have had more years together than many get with their grandfathers, but it still wasn't enough. I often think how much better of a man and outdoorsman I would, have, I would be if I had just had a few more years with him. At 17, there were several things that I wasn't yet wise enough to ask, but if we had a, even a little more time together, how much better would I be? And that is the opening few paragraphs of Healthy Hunter, Becoming the Ultimate Predator, Predator by Dr. Brooks Tiller. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great read about getting in better shape fitness-wise, but also mind, body, and, and soul, spirit. And we are super lucky to have Dr. Brooks Tiller in studio with us today. I don't think we've ever had a doctor on Brooks. What's happening, brother? Hey, man! Thanks so much. It's uh, it's an honor, and get a little chills just uh, thinking about what you just read there. So I was. Uh, it's been a while since I actually read over. You know, you write something, you don't really yeah. go back and read a lot, but that just kind of uh, that's that's what it all means to me, right there. Yeah, man. It uh, I really really enjoyed going through the book. Um, just a lot of things. The way you tie. 
it, you know, people are, oh, I'm going to get in better shape and I'm going to hit it hard and get after it and work out. And right, well, that's, that's great. But you tie it back to, you know, uh, much more of a, it's not so much a physical here and now, but there's an eternal, eternal purpose, kind of an eternal plan that we're going to get into. But before we do that, talk about where you grew up and what the fam was like and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I grew up in a little small town, a Hohenwald, Tennessee, and we've got one town in the whole county. Uh, graduated high school, maybe there. I think there were less than a hundred kids in my graduating class. So it, it was a very, very small town, very small county, very rural. And growing up there, I, I was blessed that you know my granddad was a few miles down the road. We lived out in the country, had a had a few acres, and just grew up like 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 it says right there with my dad, my granddad, with my uncles, my cousins. We were in the woods constantly. We were mm-hmm. fishing, whatever it may be, and you know, grew up there with all our friends. And I mean, it was nothing for even before we could drive. Our our parents would take a group of us, drop us off on the Buffalo River, and <laughs> you know, six of us in three canoes, and and we might have had maybe enough food that would last two of us a day and there's six of us, you know? And so we would fish and we would camp out that night and cook food and cook the fish we had. And then the next morning, you know, and it was like, Hey, you know, we had our takeout spot and, and, uh, somebody would, you know, we normally get there and then we'd have to walk a mile to the nearest house to call somebody. Hey, we're, we're here. Come get us. And no cell phones, right? No, no, no (laughs) cell phones. I mean, and and even now you probably couldn't get cell phone service there. It's so far out. And, and that's just, you know, just growing up like that. And, and I had that example of not only in the woods, but of the, of the manhood of, of a father, of a husband, uh, both for my dad and my granddad, but also just seeing them spiritually, uh, growing up, you know, um, leading, leading in, in, in a worship service or just having their Bible there by the, you know, go to my granddad's house and have his Bible there by his recliner and knowing that, that those pages were worn and had been used and even applied and be able to see that in the way that he would say things and do things and just seeing the way that they, they, they were in the community. Uh, and that's, you know, just from growing up and then, you know, family, my, my, my mom, she was, always supportive of us going hunting and fishing and and she would cook everything up and she would take care of us and make sure we had what we needed and you know and she was great about you know if we were going out in the woods she wasn't one of these that was just worried you know she grew up on a farm herself and so she knew like all right you know they're you know they're they're gonna get tough or or deal with it and uh you know then i had two little sisters right and um so we had i had two little sisters and then they were great you know just hanging out with them and so that's that's been that's that was kind of life you know yeah yeah now talk about um your transition to kind of health and and fitness and how because i don't think that comes natural to a lot of people um and, and maybe some people it does it didn't for me uh but talk about how um and in the book you talk about it, but I want to get your take on kind of how that all became kind of your, your, your calling in life to follow that path. So I always grew up, my dad, he taught health PE 
at, at the high school. He taught baseball. Or he coached baseball, started the baseball team. And he was always big into fitness. You know, he was a boxer. He played baseball his entire life. He boxed. He And then he ran. You know, he was kind of the running guy around town. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and even through high school, I really didn't work out a lot. I didn't do a lot of that. Just uh, I was kind of a small – I was smaller and, and honestly a little timid probably of the weight room. And as I got older, like I said, my granddad passed away when I was 17. And – and you know, and it was it was he had he had a stroke, he had had heart attacks, he had had some health issues, and seeing my dad and his pursuit of health was partly because of the, I think the issues that my my grandfather had gone through, right? And, and he wanted you know my dad wanted to be healthier and better for us and and for himself. And as I got older, I, I started getting into the weight room. I started exercising more and I realized as when as I went to college to play baseball that in order to play ball at the next level you've got to do more and that in, that included you know going to the weight room on a Saturday Friday night and Saturday night instead of hanging out with your buddies yeah uh, you, you we were in the weight room or it might be you know Monday morning at 4 a.m you're in the weight room instead of sleeping in and mm-hmm. so from there I just realized like you know to be better you've got to do more uh, and 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 since then, working with a lot of professional athletes, uh, there's a difference in those that are really good in college and those that make the pros. Right. And there's those that are – they're pros. They're, they're in the big leagues or they're at the all-star game. And mm. the difference in those two is amazing. Yeah. It, it's really the work ethic. Both of them have talent, just like all of us. We have certain talents, but it's – how much are you going to put into that and develop that? Mm-hmm. And that's really what where it, where it came from is just for me is I wanted to be healthier and better. And some of it probably in the beginning was, you know, it was the the performance aspect. And then as you get to working out, you're like, all right, you know, like I'm in better shape. I feel better. And then from there, uh, it may be, you know, as as a college kid, I'm sure some of it was a little vanity of, oh, I can, I can yeah. see some muscles and no doubt, <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing. And, but as it kept going, it was more of I, I want to move better, I want to feel better, and I just want to feel good. And and I think one of those things is is I've had a few injuries along the way, and during that time may have taken some time off, and and you just got lazy, and you see that you're you're not as healthy, you're not as good, and you don't feel as good. And right, feeling good is really important, and you know knowing like man, I've. Like you don't realize how good you feel until you feel bad. You don't realize how bad you felt until you feel good. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What um how how did that get you to pursue uh, a you know to become a doctor of physical therapy? Like how how did that what what switch flipped in you and said this? Yeah, I I, I like it as a lifestyle and I'm feeling better, but. Uh, when I read the book, it really came out that I want to help other people. That That's what I got from it. And that's really it. I mean, it was, I just, I wanted to help other people. So I graduated undergrad. I had a, my degree was in environmental science thinking I'm going to go into wildlife and be a game warden, be a wildlife biologist, something of that effect. Right. And when I did, I went into that and it was, it was okay. And got out of school and really, it was tough to find a job, honestly, uh, in that in that field. And so I started teaching 
seventh grade science for a year. And then in that, I was I was doing a lot of things outside. I was finished with baseball and I was mixed martial arts and boxing and powerlifting and doing a lot of crazy stuff. And actually, I had a few injuries and I went to therapy, went to physical therapy for my back and realized, like, this is pretty good. You know, they're helping people and mm-hmm. started shadowing a couple therapists that I knew. And from there, I, I wanted to help people. I, I want to, I you know, it's, it's great helping people. And it was kind of a, a calling, if you will, of, of helping others. And so, you know, I started applying to physical therapy school, went back to school, took classes I needed to, to get in and got into therapy school. And, and it was a great experience, learned about the body in, in and out, how it works. And just that medical school education has paid great dividends just in knowing it. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, got out, I really, I was like, man, I, I wanted to be a professional athlete and I was a mediocre to decent athlete at best, but I knew, you know, I had, I had the work and the drive to, to get better. And so I went in and soon after therapy school, I was just driven to go and work with the best of the best. And right. I would go find mentors. I would study, I would read books and travel around just to hang out with great therapists, great strength coaches. And, you know, those that are working with the people that I want to work with these high level athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and from there it developed and it developed. And eventually uh, I started working as a strength coach and physical therapist for a college working with all their athletes and actually have spent time overseas, China, different places working with uh, Olympic level athletes, major league baseball, NFL, uh, CrossFit, all these high level performing guys. Mm-hmm. And, in between those, sometimes I would take a little stint working and just travel to different places that I wanted to visit and work at a clinic. And one of those clinics that I was working early on, uh, I had a had a couple old, older gentlemen that came in that really reminded me of my granddad. Mm-hmm. And here I am working with these high-level athletes, but then this guy says, I just want to be able to shoot my bow. And, mm. and it hit me. I was like, man, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking that – helping people I'm going to be helping these million dollar athletes and when that guy said that it really I mean it like it hit me hard that I was like that that's what I want to do yeah that these are the guys I need to help and from there really just kind of transitioned my whole thought process instead of chasing the fame if you will going after the the glitz and the glamour of seeing a guy on the you know the all-star game saying oh you know yeah i worked on his leg or you know he he you know he's making he got a million dollar contract because we helped him get his back better instead it was you know it was great seeing guys like that saying hey you know like i want to shoot my bow or i had a had a guy who was in a motorcycle accident he's like and he just wanted to walk to the deer stand he's like i want to walk to the deer stand and seeing those guys being able to walk or being able to pull back their bow i was like that that is what i want to do and from yeah. there, it just really got me motivated, really got me going. And I tra- changed my whole thought process instead of let me work with great athletes is to let me work with my people, my, you know, outdoorsmen, people who mm. want to get back in the woods or things like that. And from there, it really, I started thinking about it as like, I can't go back and bring my granddad back. I can't teach these things to my granddad, but I can help someone else's granddad. Right. Ha- have another day in the woods, another day fishing with them. And what a difference that could make. If that 
you know, during that, that time, that kid goes fishing with his granddad instead of going to a party. Or if he goes hunting with his granddad, instead of hanging out with some, you know, bad influence, that, that kid's entire life could be changed from something that he did not do because he was with his dad or granddad or something that his dad and granddad said in the woods or in the fish, you know, on, in, in, a, in a boat or mm-hmm. in a duck blind that might not be said in the house or in any other right. time. And, and those kind of things just, I, that's, and so from now that's really been my driving force of helping outdoorsmen, helping hunters just live a better, healthier mm-hmm. life. So you do that and you move back to Tennessee, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. I was, like I said, I was traveling around, you know, tra- I mean, I got married and my wife, even she traveled with me to China and all these other crazy places. And, but when it came back to it, it was like, you know, like, I want to, I want to be home. I want, you know, yeah. this, if I have yeah. a family, this is where I want them to be where I hung out with my dad and granddad. I want them hanging out with their dad and granddad. I don't want mm. them, you know, thinking, man, dad's spending, you know, I barely, I get to see dad like six hours a week cause he's at the ballpark working on these famous guys kind of thing. Right. Right. So back to the book during all this time, I thought of my grandfather and the great man he was, this really hit home with a particular patient, James pop as James liked to be called, was an elderly man that came into my clinic with knee and low back pain. From our initial handshake, Pop reminded me of my grandfather. He stood every bit of six foot tall with full white with a full white beard that would make Santa Claus jealous. Kind of sounds like me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he always came in with a smile, even on the more painful days, and was ready with a joke and a deep belly laugh. We shared many hunting stories and fishing tales during our time together. As Pop was getting back to his normal way of life, feeling and moving better without pain, he looked at me and said, I wish someone had taught me this 15 years ago. And then through his grin and with a wink, boy, those deer and fish would have been in a lot more trouble. It made me think back to my grandfather and caused me to wonder if I might have been able to help him if only I had known then what I know now. Pop's words stuck with me and I realized that while I didn't have the chance to improve my grandfather's health, That didn't mean I couldn't help others improve theirs. Maybe there's a kid out there who'll be able to enjoy more time with his grandfather if I can help fathers and grandfathers secure more healthy and enjoyable years for themselves. And that is what you wrote in your book about, I think, the moment that the switch came on and you're like, wait a minute, I I need to be where, like like you said, with my people, right? Right, right, yeah, and... I mean, it's kind of like, I guess my, it's been my mission statement kind of, if you will, um, ever since of, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who do a lot of health and fitness things and right. they, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, personally, I don't care to share how much I lift or how much I do, mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe to kind of encourage others. But, and I don't, and I don't care how much you do. Uh, what I care about is are you able to do what you want to do? What are your goals? And let's set up, you know, let's set you up to achieve those. If you want to just sit in a deer stand, sit in a duck blind, well, let's look at what you're going to have to do for that. If you want to go elk hunting out West, let's check that out too and see what we're going to do. And, you know, it's just about meeting the people where they are and and meeting the goals. And, And if it's just getting a guy to go, Hey, I want to go fishing by myself on the bank of the river, then let's get you there. Uh, and so for me, yeah. it's just really been a, uh, it was kind of a mind shift, but also just like you said, it's, you know, getting with your people and, and helping those that are mean the most to you. Yeah. 
How did I got to ask you this? Uh-huh. How did you wind up on American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> and what was that like? Uh, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, and it, humbling at the same time <laughs> so uh, my wife and i actually have a circus company so if you think circus la fire right. breathing juggling all this crazy stuff so when we moved to nashville the nashville area back to tennessee um she she just she had already kind of been doing this stuff we learned some stuff in china about the circus life and so we went through there and, and she just started a little company and together it's grown and and they saw us actually doing a Circus Olay type hanging from the silks uh, yeah. event. And they contacted and said, hey, we'd love to have y'all, you know, send a video, a little tryout. Really? And yeah, because, you know, they want to see how you are on camera. And actually right. at that time, I'd already had a, I'd had a TV show on the Pursuit Channel mm-hmm. where we were hunting and, and fishing, running around. And so I was a little more comfortable on, on camera than I was uh, several years ago. But right. in that. Uh, you know, my wife was actually pregnant at the time, so you know she wasn't going to apply, but I did, and they invited us to come down. And Emily was actually uh, like ten days away from delivering our second child whenever we went. So the doctor actually said, "Don't you're not going." No ninja warrior for yeah. you. And yeah. a matter of fact, you're not even traveling. Yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, she said, "Yeah, okay," and she traveled anyway. And I was like, "There's hospitals between here and there. We're okay." Um, <laughs> so you know, I mean, we didn't fly, but we we just drove and. And it was it was a great experience, but you know you're behind the scenes. You really get to see a lot of how big Hollywood does things. Um, right. You know they pull you in, and you don't see any of the course. You're there about two, two in the afternoon, and you don't get to see the course until it's dark. So it's eight or nine o'clock before they ever actually let you out of this little room where they're hiding everything. So you really don't have a way to strategize or prepare. Nothing. No. No. At, at about right right around dark because they want the lights perfect. You know they. Right. they for TV purposes. And I get there and, and they walk you through and like, all right, here is the steps and here is this, here's the wing nuts, here's the wall. And they just take you through everything that you're going to, that you could possibly, every obstacle you could face that night. And, mm-hmm. and they, and they have one of their people demonstrating each one. So they're fresh, they're, you know, they're ready. And, they run through and like, okay, that looked pretty easy. And, you know, and then, I mean, and, and they're, I mean, it's like, Hey, does anybody have any questions? Okay. Next obstacle. And that's your only chance to see it or ask questions. Before. But they don't run the whole core. I mean, they would go obstacle to obstacle. Right. Not they're They're not running it the way you run no. it in competition. No, you're running for time. They're, they, yeah. They, yeah. They stop and they say, all right, here's big the steps. difference. Yeah. And like somebody does the steps and then like any questions on that, you know, they run over the rules. Don't do this. Do, you know, like you have to do this, you know, and they're like, all right, you have to face on this obstacle. You have to face that direction. Mm. Uh, because the cameras are there. You do not turn your back to the camera. Mm. And so they have the rules. They're going over like, any questions. All right, next obstacle. And you just, I mean, within five minutes, you've gone through the whole course. Like, all right, everybody back in the back again. And so then you're waiting another hour or two and everybody's kind of talking about it, but you don't know how to do it until it's actually time to go. And uh, you get, they have you where you can kind of see you. Sometimes you kind of see the course, mm-hmm. but you're not, really up and close you know you can just kind of see like ah look how they that's how they did that and you're, right and you're you know but you still don't know and and so whenever you're there and all of a sudden the buzzer so they say go uh, it's kind of like if you're uh you know that that moment that you're about to release a shot you know it's like everything goes silent yeah and you know the crowd and maybe cheering and yelling and my you know my wife and kids are there my i had friends and parents that were there and but 
like it's like everything goes silent and you just go through. But it was a great experience and it 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 was very humbling because falling and a failure uh, playing baseball my entire life failure was just part of it. But on there I fall and I fail. When I'm thinking I'm getting a million dollars, you know, I mean, right. you, you win you win this thing, it's a million dollars, and most of the guys on there, most of the folks on there are about say five six, maybe five eight, weighing about a buck sixty. I'm coming in six two, six three, about two fifteen. Mm. Uh, and that's after cutting down a little bit of weight because you only get about a two week. They call you and like, hey, um, we want you to come down. We're running it in like two and a half weeks. So you don't have, you know, there, I, I'd never been to a ninja gym. I'd never done anything ninja other than circus stuff, pick up heavy weights, climb trees. That was my extent of being a ninja. And uh, so, you know, and I, I would, so that next two and a half weeks, I, I was like, man, I'm 225 or so. Like I need, I cut down 10 pounds or so. And, but like the guy that went after me is five, six, weighing up like 102, mm. you know, and he's a rock climber. Uh, so, you know, and I, but I'm like, oh, I'm bigger. I'm, I'm going to have an advantage, but you know, I fall big splash of water. And if that's not, but you know, if that's not embarrassing enough that everybody knows you went, you can't say anything about it until they show it on TV. And then, you come splashing down in front of millions of people. Mm. Uh, so it was a little humbling uh, to say the least, but it, it opened up a lot of doors and actually has been able to actually, um, as anything, it's how you look at it. And I've turned it into a, a plus because through the Ninja Warrior, I'm on there. I've got camo bandana, camo on my face, camo shorts and a bright orange shirt. Yeah. And so I look, you know, they call me the healthy hunter on there and everything. So I'm going through, and from there, I've had a lot of teams, schools invite me in to come speak. Mm. And, of course, the Healthy Hunters coming to speak, I'm going to talk about health and fitness. And I get to throw in a little a little spirituality in there, a little, yeah. a little bit of my faith, even if I'm in a public school system. Like, right. you know, it, and because this is who you brought in. I know I don't apologize for it at all. But. So I get to introduce a lot of those guys, a lot of the people that I get to speak to, these kids, to hunting, to fitness, to to God and to my faith through the Ninja Warrior. So it was one of those things, you know, I, I had a choice of embracing it or just putting my head down and be like, man, I am like, I'm a loser. I didn't win. Uh, hmm. But instead, I've really been able to, uh, you know, my wife, you know, she just kind of, she's been a great encouragement. She's like, how many people actually get to be on this show, you know, much less or good enough to be on the show and, you know, have been able to get this far. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it was kind of one of those things because I was, after I fell, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I let y'all down, you know? And, but she was like, no, she's like, like, like do you know how, how many people do you know that have ever been on this? And I was like, well, right. Maybe one, you know? So, uh, and so she's like, all right. Uh, she's like, okay, my point is proven. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, it's been yeah. a great, it was a great opportunity. It was, but it was really cool to be able to see if you how big Hollywood does things. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I, I don't remember who won or whatever. Yeah, that one. But I, you know, I'd remember you because of what you just said. You know, you do something to stand out, and life and what you go through is what you make of it. You can look at it and go, "Oh man, I sucked at that," or "I sucked at this," or "I, I lost here." Or, but it's what are you going to do with it? Uh, right. You you can choose to define it, or you can turn around and define it and use it. Right. Right. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, hey, like you, you know, they give you like this red towel. 
whenever yeah. you fall and it's like a you know pomegranate or something. Right. And it's funny that that's that towel is used almost daily at my house because I, you know it's if I go to the you know if I'm going to the gym or in the morning splash some cold water on my face I'll use that towel to dry off and it's kind of a reminder of like all right you know right. you can, you can fall but there's a better purpose to it it's kind of funny it's, yeah. uh, instead of you know for a few months it did get stashed away in a closet and I didn't want to look at it but uh yeah but, but now it's now it's used very often yeah that's awesome you talk a good deal in the book about hunting and our ancestral ties um, to hunting and health, uh, as well as how far we've moved away from how we were wired to live, which really resonated with me. You know, the, the series that, that, that we do is all about re- of using your experiences to connect with a natural world that we were created to enjoy. And so that, that part of the book where you talk about, you know, it, it's not just getting healthy just to be healthy or whatever. Um, it's really, you, you know, God has an eternal plan for you. And it's what, it's how do you move back to kind of falling into that, that plan. Talk about, um, talk about what you brought up in the book as far as our ancestral ties to hunting and health and, and how far we've moved away from that really how we were wired to live yeah i mean we've we've moved away i'd say figuratively and literally from what we were created to do you know we can read in the bible that you know adam you know adam adam was given domain over all the animals all the creation and you know and that's passed down to us and we see throughout the bible you know god saying hey nothing is unclean that i've made Mm -hmm. and as if we go back to our ancestors, no matter how far we go back, somebody went out, hunted, and drug food home. Otherwise, we would not be here. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I, like I said, my wife has a circus company, so I am around um, some different people. They're not hunters. They, you know, a lot of them are vegan and vegetarians, and, and they're, they've, grown up in the city they've never left city they've never you know they've never really been in the woods all they've Mm -hmm. known is concrete and getting to meet them and talk to them about hunting and what it is and that you know i'm going out and i'm killing an animal and i'm bringing it home and we're eating it and that's what you know as as all of us if we track back our ancestors did you know everybody back in the day had a garden or you lived on a farm uh, now we, you know, we, we, we would hunt or if it had, if we had a butcher, it was, it was someone in the family. Mm-hmm. You'd go out and you would, you would slaughter the hog and then you would cut it up. You would have a smokehouse. I remember my, my, my uh, mom's side, they had a, actually had a smokehouse they were on their farm. Mm-hmm. Where they would slaughter hogs and they would hang them up and it, everybody had that. But now we, we, we source that out. Uh, right. We, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to get our hands dirty. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want anybody to to think we're doing something bad or you know, oh, that's kind of gross. And it, it even comes down to say, um, you know, eating eating the meat. But also, if you look back on you know, a lot of our ancestors, they would dig in for the for the uh, eating almost of a nose to tail type. You know, they would use the they would use the bones. They would use the skin. They would use mm-hmm. the hide. They would use. Uh, liver and kidneys and hearts and they would use all these things i mean my, my granddad used to eat squirrel brains 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would tell me that uh, he's like, oh, you squirrel brain and eggs. He's like, it'll make you climb up a tree backwards. And that was, and I'm so, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, and so I would try it. That's a total granddad thing, man. Yeah. He's like, it'll make you climb up a tree backwards. And so I would try it, you know, and, 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 and then he's sitting in the kitchen window looking at you laughing, trying to climb a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like trying to climb up a tree, falling, and hit my head. You know, and he's just laughing. But and your granddad said it's got to be true. Exactly. And, you know, and it's one of those things that, that a lot of people, we've gotten away from knowing where our food comes from. Uh, you know, some people, I've, I've had um, patients in a clinical setting and I talk about hunting or fishing. And, and, and the lady, she says, well, why don't you just go get your meat at the store? You know, and it's it's like. Like, where do you think that meat comes from? I read a stat the other day. I think it was a, uh, they did a study. It was in a, in a, a very, you know, in a city somewhere. And it said 47% of high school kids did not realize that the hamburger they just ate came from an animal. And wow. I mean, it's just losing grip with where we are. And, yeah. you know, now we have the video games. Where we're like, oh, well, I can, even, even if you own the video games, you can shoot somebody and then, well, I'm, they're still beside me. Like it's not, it's not a real thing. And yeah. so the kids don't understand. Like, oh, I, if I shoot something, it dies. And you know, I think just morally, that's that you were, we're on that slippery slope where we're losing grip of what we really are. The natural man was mm-hmm. made to be. You know, we were made to protect and to lead our family. And you know, as I mean, as men, which is a lot of that I speak to. We were like, all right, I'm going to go provide for my family. We go work 60, 80 hours, whatever it is, yep. but we're not actually leading our family. We're, you know, I think it's a lot more important to be at home and lead by example than it is just to be like, hey, here's a bunch of money, yeah. you know, and status. Yeah. And I mean, I've been down that road, you know, I've chased the money, I've chased the status and, and, uh, and just, I've realized like, especially now that I have two little ones looking to me, it's like, man, like. I would much rather spend time with them than, you know, be out here saying, look who, look who I know, yeah. look what I did. And I think it's just leading that being, being that example. But you know, back to that point of, of we've left that hunting heritage that's been passed down. And we often think about, Oh, it was the native Americans that did it. Well, I mean, you know, and, and if you don't have a native American background, then you, where do you, like you were up, a Viking, well, they went and hunted. You know, if you're from Ireland, if you're you know anywhere in Europe, like you you yeah. hunted. They all things. ate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like Thanksgiving. You know, the first Thanksgiving, they had deer and you know turkey or whatever. I mean, like it's, yeah. it's they hunted things, and they you know if you didn't, you went you were really hungry. So I mean, I think we really need to get back to that and really focus on getting back to the way we were meant to be and just being outside. Uh, just being in nature, there's a lot of uh, studies about the nature deficit disorder and that the the way that if you get outside, your blood pressure goes down, your heart rate slows, you breathe better, your mind's clearer. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have all of these big shot uh, CEOs and tech companies and whatever. Bill Gates, he'll, you know, he does a two week retreat, they say, every year, like no phones, no computers. It's him in a log cabin and a bunch of books. Yeah. And he, you know, he goes walking in the woods like, and he comes back refreshed and better and more ready to serve his company and serve others from that time in the woods. I think that we can do that same thing too. Just, you know, sitting in, sitting on the water, sitting in the woods, we're going to be able to become back refreshed. And I think that's one thing that we really need. We, we forget, you know, we get all stressed out and anxious because of, you know, we don't have cell phone service, you know, and, and mm. I always think about, 
um, you know, my, my granddad, I'm like, man, you know, if I was like, man, I'm really anxious about this. He's like, what do you mean anxious? You know, he'd, he'd probably, I'm sure he'd laugh. He's like, you mean you worried about something you can't control? He's like, that sounds like a great you know, yeah. use of your time. Good plan. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to the book. Um, we've come to accept a normal day as driving half an hour to work where we take a seat in front of a computer screen for eight hours, then grabbing our supper through a window somewhere on the drive home. A few times a week, we may go to a gym to walk on a treadmill with our friends while the TV blares the news and reality shows. Then we walk away calling it a workout check. We suppose we're supposedly smarter, better, and we brag about being tech savvy. We pride ourselves on the busy lives we lead. While it's great to be able to read and type, kids rarely put pen to paper these days. Roger that. Uh, most kids and many adults don't know what it is to put in a hard day's work to earn money, food, and a good night's sleep that come by the sweat of their brow. The phrase smarter, not harder is often glamorized. But in the end, if we never do anything hard, we become soft. There's no way around it. Talk about, there's, there's, it's no secret that our health today, just overall, not only in this country, but in others, is declining. And I feel we're moving further and further away, as you just said, from what we were created to be. You know, one of my favorite books is Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Great book. Awesome. Dude, it, it, I have gone through it in men's studies and I've read it two, three times now. Um, but John talks about that book is that's really the whole point of that book. And his point is we've lost our true heart somewhere along the way. Um, what, what are your feelings about that and, and why that is and, and how we got to this, to this point of we really just, so many different labels are put on us that we really have to dig far, far down to figure out who it is we were actually created to be. What do you think about that? You know, the, uh, we've, we've just lost touch, not only with nature, with, but with ourselves. Uh, and a couple of guys I was meeting with the other day and, and we got to talk about how many times are you just silent? Mm. And, you know, and, and, and somebody else asked me, Recently, what was the what's you know what's one one hard tough thing we can do as men? And, and I just thought I was like, be silent. Like, how many times have you just sat there? I mean, we've got our cell phone. If you're waiting in line, you're you know if you're at a stoplight, if you're sitting at the house and there's a commercial, you pick up your cell phone. Mm. Uh, if if you know if you get up early and you go work out, you're listening to your cell phone or. If you're just at the house, you're looking at news on the cell phone. There's always all this media that we're always just taking in, taking in, instead of just being silent. And as as outdoorsmen, we know how much clarity comes when we're sitting in a boat, we're sitting in a deer stand, sitting in a duck blind, and it's silent. You can just sit there and you just look at God's creation. You're like, wow. And there's times I've been there and... A lot of, I mean, a lot of what I wrote in the book actually started from sitting in a deer stand and just, you know, it was yeah. almost like God saying, Hey, remember when your granddad did this, you know, Hey, remember this time? And, 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 you know, that's when you can hear God, you know, we, we hear, you know, in the Bible, we see that, that. God is in that still small voice, that little, that little breeze that comes by, not in the fire, not in the mm. earthquake, you know, the, 
all these big moments that we look for him, he's there, but it's really when we're still and we're quiet that we can really accept God and hear God. And I believe that that's what we're missing a lot of. Just today, we're missing the fact that we need to be still and quiet. And just like there's like you mentioned John Eldridge in The Wild mm-hmm. at Heart. I remember the first time I was introduced to that book, I was in college. You know, I'm in college. I'm playing baseball. Needless to say that, you know, my my number one priority was not was me, but was not my spirituality. Right. Uh, and, and that book, you know, there were things that book that challenged me. But then again, now as I have I'm married, have two kids, I read the book again. And that book hits me in so many other ways. It challenged me to be a better to be better even in college. But now, you know, 15 years later, like that's so much. It hits me in such a different way that. I realized like, okay, yeah, you know, like where our true heart is. Yeah. And and I really think for, for, for guys, we've just got to get and let God speak to us through the silence, you know, get in and get into what he created and then listen to the creator. And that's one, one of the blessings, once again, of American Ninja Warrior and, and if you will, quote unquote, being in the outdoor industry and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Being able to go to these wild game suppers and things like that, you got guys, you know, guys that are listening to this podcast may know God or may know his creation, but do they know him? And that's yes. one thing I would challenge is like, hey, you know, I hear all these guys like, oh, man, look what God created. And in the, he, he created all this for us to enjoy, to to have life and to live it fully, to, to have a life abundant, mm. as Jesus said. Mm. But do we know him? And I think that it's, it's that next step that we just need to dive in yeah. of, of getting into the word, you reading a book like wild at heart by John Eldridge. There's a lot of great books out there. Dive into some of these books and they may not, they have a spiritual nature to them, but they're not going to be preaching at you. And I understand like I, I have problems sometimes, you know, on Sunday morning and, the, and, and you know, the guys just yelling up there, yeah. uh, you know, about what you can and cannot do. Uh, and, but I want, but what I want to know is like, what can I do to be better? And, and a book like wild at heart is a great example. And John Eldridge got a few other books out there, uh, that are great examples of that. And, oh, yeah. you know, and you can just Google John Eldridge or whatever, you know, a, a couple of different guys like that, uh, Stephen Mansfield, uh, guys like that who are, who, you know, will, who, who appreciate what we are as men and who we need to be mm-hmm. and how we've gone astray. And like I said, just. You know, just be silent. Just get out in the woods. Just yeah. go for a walk. And and if you have kids or your family, take them with you and just walk. And because you never know what your kids are going to say when you're just in the backyard running around, or if you're taking a walk in the woods. Those moments that they're going to say something they may not say at the house, and mm-hmm. and you may be able to say something to them that they're or show them something that they will remember forever. Yeah, it there. It's no. That is why. God put in Psalms, I think it's 4610, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's why that, that verse is in there, by the way. And so you, you talked about, um, here's what resonated with me when you just said that. And it's because, you know, we, we also speak at a lot of wild game dinners, our ministry and that, you know, we're super active with different groups and, and different events. And I, I challenge guys, yet yeah, we you know a lot about God and about 
Jesus. You're in Sunday school. You know a lot about, but do you know him personally? Um, you know, one of the, I think, one of the saddest uh, verses in Matthew is is in in chapter 24 where, he, you know, Jesus says, you know, in that day there's going to be a lot of people that come to me and call me Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Like, you and people are going to say, well, wait a minute, I was in church every Sunday and I did this and I did that and I went through all the steps and I, you know, I said the prayer and I didn't do the things that the pastor said I didn't, I shouldn't do. And I did do the things and he, and he's going to say, but you, you and I never, you know, we didn't have a relationship. Yeah. And to me, that I think is the saddest, the saddest, uh, things to think about is you go through this life striving and you miss the mark because you, you didn't have a personal relationship, you knew all the historical facts you, you knew about him. And there there's guys that, you know, when we, when we duck hunt, we duck hunt a lot and the sun will come up over a, you know, a marsh and a flooded timber or something like that. And guys will go, man, how can you look at this and say, there's no God? Well, you, you can't, but that's, that's only part of the point. You recognize that he is there. Scripture says that he puts those things in front of you so that you know that he is there. But do you know him, like you just said? And it's a, I think it's a scary thing, man, that a, a lot of people think that they're checking off all the religious boxes um, and just totally missing the mark. Uh, to me, that's just, that's that's pretty sad. Yeah, I think one thing is really in today's society, we're, we don't have relationships, and you can see that through you know any kind of relationship, friend, brother, you know, as as like a band of brothers, if you will. I mean, how many, mm. how many? I, I have a few guys that I meet with regularly, and a few guys that you know, men's coaches, if you will, and do a lot of men's ministries, and you know, it's like if if you have five guys that you can actually trust. If you're out of town, hey, can you go help my wife? Their water pipe broke. Or, hey, you know, my son got in trouble. I'm out of town. He's at the sheriff's department. Can you go <laughs> Can you go get him? Like, how many, you know, you, do you have five guys you can call? And most guys don't. Yeah. And part of the thing is, is today we have a, um, a covenant versus commitment. You know, we have that. Mm. That, you know, it's, it's almost like even, even in a marriage, uh, where you have that piece of paper that says you're married. Well, you, you sign the paper. Well, you know, is it, is that all it is? Yeah. It doesn't or stop it, there. Yeah. You know, you, you made a covenant, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you, you have this commitment. You didn't, you know, you didn't just sign a piece of paper, uh, you know, saying, okay, well, I bought this property, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. And I think that's one thing that we like, we have to dive into is just making those, those true relationships, like the ones that it's not just a, it's not just a contract, if you will. That's the word. It, mm. it, you know, we have contracts. We have covenants. And, and that we made that covenant to God and to others. Or is it just a contract of, okay, whenever I'm not happy with this anymore, I'm done. And I think that's one thing we have to look at. Today, it's, you know, we live in a very contract society. Uh, yeah, of, yeah. You know, of, of, well, if it's not going Everything's my way. Everything's contractual, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I don't, you know, it's like I don't like this job. I'm going to, you know, it's just a contract. I'm going to get out of this. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. So, you know, I don't like this gym. I'm going to go to that's just a contract, you know, but but you're in a relationship. That's a that's a covenant. That's a commitment. 
not just a contract. Yeah. I think that's really what we got to look at is, uh, is, is making those covenants and those commitments instead of, you know, and throw away the contract. Contract's only as good as the paper it's written on. No doubt. No doubt. Um, back to the book. So we, we were talking about, we, we were really talking about is, is there's no shortcuts. I mean, you talk about no secrets, no gimmicks, no magic pills. Back to the book. But how do we make our bodies into the finely tuned machine that God designed them to be? It's really simple. Like hunting, it's simple, but not always easy. The first step is to dismiss all the headlines and fads that we've been bombarded with for years. We've been told, eat less and exercise more so that we can burn the fat off. That sounds like a great idea at the onset. But if we keep on this path, we'll eventually be eating nothing and spending all day on the treadmill. That doesn't sound like any fun, and it's not the way I want to spend my days. There's another way, and it isn't complicated or difficult. How? Two very simple steps. Eat real food and move. So a couple of things there. I am so glad that you said it's simple, but it's not easy. A lot of guys might scratch their head. Um, you know, we when I was in the, I was in the Navy, we had tactics and things that we did were they were simple you know simple but not not easy they they took effort um and we are we're bombarded with information on diets and exercise fads and 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 you made that point explain what you mean um and how simple it is like eat real food and move yeah so the what i like to say is can you grow it can you kill it uh, you know, can you, can you hunt it? Can you fish it? So, and really another way to put it is, did it come out of the ground and did it have a mother? And if you can answer yes to either one of those, <laughs> you can eat it. You know, if it's a duck, if it's a goose, if it's elk, if it's deer, okay, it's, it would, you know, fish. It had a mother. We can eat it. Mm. Uh, is it, you know, a tomato? I know what a tomato looks like. Uh, I know what. You know, and even if you want to talk about, you know, tomato, potato, squash, carrots, I know what they look like. Now, ketchup, I cannot find that anywhere. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and, and if you look at the back of the ingredients, there's all kinds of additives. And we look at the kids today, you're talking about the obesity and the diabetes, how much, you know, like, is like over like, say, 10% of the population or whatever, um, it is this thought to have at least some form of diabetes? Yeah, and growing, and there could be more than that. It was one of the latest stats I saw, but so many have undiagnosed, and so many kids today have diabetes, and, and that's our fault. It is, yeah, because they look at us like, oh, you're eating, you're grabbing a a there. Somebody handed you a brown paper sack through a window into your window of your car, mm -hmm. and then you handed me a sack that had a toy in it. And I'm eating that, and you're eating one as you're driving down the road. This must be what we do. Yeah. And that goes back once again to getting back to who we really are and getting back, you know, and teaching the kids, you know, your meat comes from a cow, your meat comes from a deer, your, this comes from a duck. Um, but you, it, our body is really like looking for, once you get, like like you said, the, the, the comfort of, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Mm -hmm. And, but, and, and I work, I work with a lot of guys who are, Wanting to say, you know, they're Eastern hunters wanting to head out West. I'm like, man, I've, I've got to lose 40 pounds. What do I need to do? And you can, I've spent years and a lot of my life trying to get somebody the perfect diet. Okay. You need to eat this much. 
chicken, this much broccoli, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And instead now they're like, man, I can't do that. Like, I don't have time for that. I'm going to eat real food. Like if you can see something on your plate and realize that came from an animal or that came from the ground, then, then it's okay to eat. Let's just start there. Then we'll, we can get, we can dive into all the yeah. carbohydrates and fats and proteins and all the different other methods we might use later, but it's real food, you know, water, you can see water. Like you can see it in the streams, in the river, that's water. Now, Coca-Cola, you, I, you, you can't find that in nature. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to add stuff to that, make some things to turn it into that. Yeah. So if we start at that base of just, if I was lost in the wild, could I get this? You know, you can find asparagus, you can find blackberries and blueberries this time of year are growing you you know in the you can find musky dimes or whatever you can find these fruits and vegetables growing you can find animals running around and you can eat those and so the closer you can get to mm-hmm. the natural source the more the more nutrients the more the more yeah. vitamins it's going to have in it cuz every time you break it down uh you know like say blackberries for instance if you take blackberries and you cook them up and then you add sugar and you throw them into a pie they're a lot sweeter and you may want to eat more, but you've lost some of the vitamins and nutrients in that blackberry and you've diluted what you have by adding all the other stuff. And in, same thing with meat. If you have a steak, like, okay, I killed a deer. This is a piece of deer steak right here. I'm eating it. You've got all these nutrients. But if you take, say, a cow and you've got, you know, 300 cows and you mix them all together and you make a burger and you're going to ship it across the country and it's already prepackaged, mm-hmm. you're going to add preservatives and things like that, which can contribute to some, you know, right, childhood. Right, right, right. Uh, if you want to, you know, some, there's been some relation to, you know, different childhood ADD and, and mm-hmm. you know, obesity and things just from the additives that you're throwing into this stuff. So, you know, it's just eat real food is really what it comes down to and then move. Just, I mean, yeah. walk. You know, a lot of people like they consider walking exercise, but our ancestors, once again, that's how you got from point A to point B. Uh, but you'll know, just get out and move yeah. more. Yeah. Get up five minutes earlier and take yeah, a walk outside. So before, but before we get off of the eat real food, there, there's a couple of things. Yeah. I, I hunt a lot, come home with a lot of, a, a lot of just good red raw protein. Right. But there's a lot, like I can't kill enough to where I don't have to go to the store. And there's a lot of people, right. one of the things with this podcast, we we, con- we connect a lot of people that wouldn't ordinarily be, you know, have these connections offline. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that don't hunt. <clears throat> and that was the purpose of it. Um, how right. can someone who who doesn't hunt, like we, we're still going to have to go to a grocery store. Um, we're still going to have to buy prepackaged meat. So what, how, how can we get around all the things that you talked about if we can't go out and kill it and grill it ourselves or grow it ourselves or the more you can do yourself, the better it is. So if you're cooking hamburgers, if you go to the store and if you can find a local butcher shop where you can, they can at least maybe, you know, the cows came from farmer Joe that's in the next city. Uh, that's that's better than you know going to a fast mm-hmm. food restaurant, and and oh, you yeah, you, sure. you can you can bring the hamburger meat home, you can make the patties yourself, and you can cook them yourself. The yeah. more the and also 
by doing that, the more involved you are in it, the more mindful you are of what you're eating. Uh, you know, whenever we just grab something from a fast food restaurant, we just, it's just, it's, we're just shoving it in. It's not, you know, we're just throwing logs on a fire. We're not actually like, okay, mm-hmm. this is something that I took part. You know, when you sit down with your family to eat a meal, no matter what it is, you are more mindful of what it is. I mean, you, we sit down to eat, you're probably going to, you may pray with your family and, and, you know, thankful for the food. But if you're getting something at a fast food restaurant in the car, when you're driving down the road, people are not as likely to say, oh, thank you for this meal. Uh, it's just that mindful aspect as well. Right, right, right. Right. And, and I, so that's one of the things, you know, I when when I got out of, uh, when I got out of the Navy and got married and started getting comfortable um, is when I started packing on a lot of extra weight. I'm going to blame it on my wife. Um, but one of the things that um, I, I figured out here just recently was that I was diabetic. And this has been a couple of years now uh, that I figured it out. And one of the biggest ch- – and you talk about added sugar as one of the most addictive drugs that there are. And so when I started cutting out sugar and when I started cutting, like you mentioned ketchup, ketchup sends my blood sugar through the roof because there's so much sugar. Yeah. In it. And I, you just like, eh, it's ketchup, it's tomato. No, it's, it's ketchup and barbecue sauce will crush my A1C and my sugar numbers. I just, I know it. Um, I can speak personally about the impact of of added sugar. Um, but I think a lot of guys just don't think about it. And well, I'm not diabetic. I can eat as much sugar as I want. Talk about the negative impact that sugar's had. And I don't think that people truly understand how much we consume now versus how much our grandparents uh, consumed. Yeah. And, and once again, ketchup, if you, if you like ketchup on a burger, I have no, I can't do it. Well, I mean, I have no problem with it, but if you will get tomato, you know, you might in, uh, we can get some tomatoes, some vinegar, whatever. And even if you add a little sugar to it, let's say, because you want it a little bit sweet, you're in control of how much sugar is in it instead of just getting in a package. So, and once again, if you make it yourself, you know what's in it and you're not worried about anything else. You know, so um, as far as that goes, but you know, talking about sugar, it's, it's everywhere. And if you're not reading the label, you never know how much sugar is going to be in it. Uh, you know, you may think, oh, like you said, it's just ketchup. But then mm-hmm. it's like, wait, what is it like, you know, sugar is like number one or two in the ingredient list. And and they or, and if you ever look at the label, things are labeled in number of how how of like of how much is in it. So the mm-hmm. the first thing is the most dominant, uh, most dominant material. Ingredient, right? I'll say material or ingredient because you never know if it's actually if it's a real thing. But you know, and so as as you go down, like how, like if sugar's the last thing, well then okay, that's the least in this, and so maybe that's better than if the you know, like you said, barbecue sauce, like sugars, you know, of some sort, syrup, whatever is going to be up towards the top. And um, so just for instance, so say eighteen in eighteen twenty, so you know, in eighteen twenty, that's you know, a hundred years ago. Our ancestors would average what forty five grams of sugar. Two hundred years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, my math is not good. That's all right. 
I do. Yeah, math is not my strong suit. Yeah, Check. I was a math major in school, yeah. so no, no problem. So, so two hundred years ago, in a course of five days, on average, our ancestors ate forty-five grams of sugar. That's say six to nine teaspoons of sugar in five days. Mm-hmm. Today, we will consume seven hundred and sixty-five grams in the same five-day period. That's three pounds a week. Yeah. So we're we, it's one hundred thirty pounds a year. So 20% of our calorie intake, about 500 calories a day is from sugar. You know, it, all these, even the health bars have sugars, health mm-hmm. bars and fruit drinks. And, and, and some studies show, say that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and if we, is get, that because of the dopamine? It, I think it's because of the way that it hits, you know, it hits our, our body wants sugar. Cause whenever we're running around the wild, you know, sugar is a quick, Quick boost of energy. And if you're, if you haven't had anything to eat for a long time and you're needing to get away from a, you know, a crazy bear, if you get mm-hmm. a, you know, you can grab a handful of blackberries, your, your body's going to have instant energy to go mm-hmm. to chase down an animal or to get away from something. And I think that is partly because of the dopamine hit, the way that it hits your body, you know, the insulin spike, and it's going to mm-hmm. give you all this rush of feel good pretty much. Yeah. And, but you know, when you eat sugar, like, ah, I'm all hyped up. I'm ready to go. And then, but about an hour later, you come crashing back down. And that's one reason why I think sugar is so dominant today is because we eat sugar, we get hyped up. And as we start crashing, the body's like, hey, I really like that. Give me some more. And we want another mm. hit, just like any other drug. Mm. And, and, and it's, and it's, you know, and going cold turkey on sugar is, is hard, just like any other thing. But I think one of the things to look for is, is the natural, more natural form of sugar in, in the things and we'll look for a more natural way uh, fruits and vegetables have sugar in them mm-hmm. instead of having the, the say a fruit juice an apple juice that has a bunch of sugar added. Mm-hmm. You want to get an apple. It's got better. It's got more nutrients in it, you know, so we can re- just reduce the amount of sugar. Don't add sugars and just avoid the, the fake sugars. And that, right. would, that would be, that's really where to start, you know, and, and just, and really think about, how much I'm eating, the the control, like don't eat more than you need, the portions, if you will. And Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, and so the portions, just knowing how much you're eating and, and you can, tra- you know, you can get an app and you can track what you're eating. And, and I recommend that to almost anyone just for, just to get an idea of where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like on a map. If you want, if you know where you want to be, and but you have to know where you are in order to go from A to B. You have to know where A is. And a lot of people yeah. don't know. Like um, you know, you like, man, I don't eat much sugar. It's like, well, you had oatmeal with honey for breakfast. You drank orange juice. Then you mm-hmm. had a sandwich with you know jelly, um, or maybe a piece of toast for a snack. You had you know like if for for lunch you had two sandwiches and you had uh, an apple juice and then for supper you had a pizza. Well, you know, like how much sugar is in that? You don't even know. Until you really look right. at it, you're like, well, oatmeal is healthy and the sandwich is healthy and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I had meat on my pizza. But then when you get to looking at it, like, it's, it's, it's surprising how much sugar can sneak in. So you want to, like, look at or what am I eating. And I think it's a great way just for maybe once, you know, for just a day or two, uh, even just kind of track your food, write it down. And then you can go back and look like, okay, is there a way I can make a better choice on this? And mm-hmm. instead of a sandwich with. You know, instead of like, you know, like oatmeal, honey, toast and jam, maybe I can 
throw some nuts in there, that's going to add some protein, some some fat, some healthy fats. You'll add some almonds mm-hmm. to it. And just add, small little tweaks is the way to go. But I think just knowing the portions and knowing what you're getting in is really eye-opening. Right. Uh, I'm going to tell you, man, when when I had to, when, like when I was forced to really look at what I was putting into my body, because, you know, when they first, when uh, which they call it adult onset diabetes, it's type 2. Right. Um, you know, my, there was a week, here's how I figured it out. Sidebar. Um, there was a week where I was trying to, you know, at night I would wake up. I was so thirsty. I was drinking gallons of water every night. And then of course, you know, you bring water in, you're going to have to let water out. So I had to get back up out of bed to go pee. And then when I'd get up to go to the bathroom, I drink more water. And this went on for a week. Dude, I was exhausted. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So I told my father-in-law who's diabetic and he checked my, he said, let me check your sugar. Well, me, I didn't know that, like, I know what it feels like when my sugar is low, when I haven't eaten, right? Cause you get the, you know, you get all jittery and you're like freaking out, you know, you know how you feel. Yeah. I'm like, no, my sugar's fine. I, I feel fine. And he said, no, let's check it. So he checked it and it was something ridiculous. Like, oh no, his... That's what it was. His meter just said high. Like there wasn't even a number on it. And I'm like, see, your 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 meter's broke. He goes, no, my meter's not broken. So my wife came home who's, you know, a medical assistant. She's in the medical field. And uh, she checked it and it said high again. I'm like, see, both of y'all are, she goes, no. So we went to the emergency room and it was, it was over 600. Wow. Yeah, that's what the doctor said too. Yeah. I'm like, no, I mean, I feel fine. He goes, no, you don't understand. When your sugar is that high, you you don't feel anything. Yep. I mean, you, you don't get like jittery or crazy or like something's wrong. But what I figured out is I, I my my body was using water just to dump sugar. It was killing my kidneys. I was getting kidney stones all the time. Um, and man, once I got rid of every bit of sugar that I could possibly get rid of, like especially no added sugar, period, one full stop at all. And then I started figuring out foods that would make my sugar go crazy, like the barbecue sauce, like ketchup. I don't drink orange juice anymore. Um, number one, my numbers, now I'm on medication too, but not, not much. Um, my numbers came down to where they were close to being manageable with diet. Um, I take a little bit of metformin, um, but also I started losing that weight. And once I started losing the weight, I could move and I felt better. And then once I was able to move around more, then I really started. And I'm like, yeah, like this is now I'm heading in the right direction. Um, and and so I don't, I don't think guys really think about it, especially when, you know, I'm 50 now, I'm 51 now guys in their twenties and thirties, Dude, you and I were there. We were bulletproof, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't hurt me. Yeah, they don't think about it. They don't think about it. So if this does nothing else, then look, I, I'm not. You and I aren't saying, all right. When you go to the grocery, take three hours and read every single label. No, you have to. This is something you have to gradually get into, because you talk in the book um, about the results. It it didn't. This didn't happen to us overnight. So the change back is not going to happen overnight. It's a process. You also said that, you know, we're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to be better. Right. 
and dude, I, I just think that's, I, I think that's key. So for someone that's listening, goes okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this process of just watching what I put into my body, but I don't have all day to study and read labels and and just uh, you know what 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 do you tell someone like that that you're sitting across from? I mean, first off, like you know, you're speaking from your prime example. I don't want guys to end up where you were going to the emergency room and then having to do this. Dude, I was going to die. Exactly. I mean, in, 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 you know, and I have, you know, I know guys who all of a sudden they're like, man, I'm, I've gained, uh, you know, they, they turn around like, I'm, I weigh 50 pounds more than I did, you know, five years ago. I've gained 50 pounds in five years. How did this happen? Well, you know, it, you know, and, and getting it off is the same way. You know, you don't see it in the mirror every day. You don't mm-hmm. see it, but you haven't seen somebody for five years and they've gained. Five, you know, 50 pounds or, or maybe they've hit the gym and now they've got some muscle to them and, yeah. you know, and they're, they're fit and they're like, okay, like, all right, yeah. I see you're working hard, but, yeah. but you, you don't see it look in the mirror every day. You probably still see the 20 year old or the 12 year old who, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you still see that little kid. Um, you know, we all do, but one of the big things is, is just whenever you're getting food, uh, think about it is, is would my grandfather recognize this? Mm. And so no more, no more food through windows. Just forget about it. Don't do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, just don't first. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, a chicken nugget, I have no clue what part of the chicken that comes from. <laughs> like I don't, you know, and, and <laughs> wait, dude, you just made me think about something. There was a far side. You remember the far side, the calendar, yes. the hell these funny thing. And they said, what does a boneless chicken ranch look like? And it's just these f- <laughs> lumps of feathers laying around. the. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man, I haven't thought about that in a long time. It's yeah. funny. I mean, you know, and it's like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, my grand, you know, my, my mom's, my, like I said, my mom grew up on a farm and they had chickens. So, like, I, you know, growing up is one of those, I've been blessed. That, like I said, once again, I had a farm that I get to spend time on. I had my, you know, my dad, and my granddad that I went hunting with. And I didn't know that most people didn't have that growing up. And so I was kind of jaded when I was first getting out. But now that I've met other people, I realize like, you know, people don't know this stuff. And so, Really, just think about like, you know, would my grandparents re- recognize this as food? Um, if if I couldn't find a grocery store, could I find this same food somewhere in the world? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. without going to a grocery store or to a fast food restaurant. And I mean, like, if you get a steak, like you can see, okay, there's there's a bone in the middle of it. There's there's some fat over here. I can see where the muscles were. You know, like, okay, that was a that was a piece of an animal um, as opposed to like a chicken nugget. You're like, I have no, what kind of mystery meat this is. And so, you know, one thing is, like, do I know where this came from? Could I recognize, recognize this? Would my grandparents know what this is? And that's really the first step is just, what is it? You know, if, if you showed mm-hmm. it to your grand, Hey, Hey, Papa, what is this? And if he's like, Oh, it's a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a ribeye, you know, he, but if you show him like a chicken nugget, he's like, ah, looks like, something you know he might not he's like ah is that a is that a piece of fish i don't know what is that you know and he may not recognize so once again i think just the best thing is just ask yourself that question is is this a real food would my grandparents recognize it right yeah i you talk a lot about don't drink your your calories right that was the other thing that i've never been big on on soft drinks but 
So here's some one of the other things that I cut out. I cut out a ton of things that would eventually turn into sugar, like starches. Mm-hmm. Um, I laid off of the bread, <laughs> which is... Dude, I live in New Orleans, man. It's hard to eat right yeah. here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, was, and, I spent some time down there, and man, it was... <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You were in Baton Rouge, man. It's just as hard yeah. there. Uh, but I laid off of a lot of the breads, and I laid off a lot of the carbs until I started getting back into the gym, and I used the carbs mainly for like a pre-workout fuel, right. kind of. Uh, but when, you know, you come home from work, six thirty, seven o'clock, I was not filling up on pasta and going to bed. That that's, it's just, so I think it's what you eat, but when you eat it based on your activity, which we're getting ready to talk about here in a second. Uh, but I cut out anything like potatoes, starchy things that would turn into sugar if I didn't burn them off. And that made a huge difference in how I look and how I felt as well. Exactly. Yeah. And just. You realizing that and knowing it, that's the key factor of just being aware of what's going on. Yeah. Let's talk about move around more um, because that was something that you, you talked about in the book. And I think that there's a misconception that guys think, oh, I have to go join a gym and I've got to, you know, I've got to go crazy and get after it. You lay out in the book, which I thought was really, really well, uh, a 28 day commitment to both eating better, which we've just talked about and exercising. Um, and as I said, I'm so glad, Brooks, I'm so glad you put in there. The goal is not to be perfect, but to be better every day, get a little bit better, get a little bit better because perfection, we're not going to have that here. Um, we've covered a lot of good information about improving our diet, but talk about what a 28 day exercise program would look like for someone who goes, okay, I- I'm going to be more conscious about what I put and what I don't put into my body. Uh, what's the second part of this thing that we talked about being simple, but not easy. And that's moving around. We're talking about that 28 day commitment. Yeah. So if, if you just take 28 days, that's one month and you focus on every day, you're going to do something and get a little better. And like I said, in the book, you know, just it's, it's about the commitment. I think a lot of, once again, in today's society, it's easy not to commit to something. It's easy to not be dedicated and to stick with it. The first time you hit an obstacle and the first time it gets hard, then you're, you know, if you give up, that that's, you know, that says that not only that physical toughness, that mental toughness. And so if you just had 28 days of just going after it. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that's just, that's, you know, it's just the whole, that's one month. It's all we got to do. And, and, and in that, you know, break it down into like a four-week program where you have a training day and then a recovery day. Training day, recovery day. So you have that time to recover and rest. And then you take those those recovery days and use active rest time. So just get out and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a PT and strength coach, I see a lot of guys, uh, folks come in right after the first of the year, come in with knees, ankles, and hip injuries and low back hurting. And they're like, well, I decided I'd go run five miles. Well, you haven't ran any <laughs> since last January when I saw you. Yeah. And you decided to go run. So a lot of guys, you you like you know you you hear a podcast or you see somebody and you get really motivated. You'll see a if you're a hunter, you see a, a guy who's out west running up and down mountains, or you see some somebody who's really inspirational. They you got you all rah rah up and you're ready to yeah. go. 
you go out and you're like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're not going to lose 50 pounds overnight the same way you didn't gain it overnight. You're mm-hmm. not going to squat 400 pounds tomorrow if you didn't squat 400 pounds today. Just not going to happen. Um, right. The same way, you know, just it's about getting out and moving more. And, you know, it, it, like I said in the book, I kind of break it up and it you don't have to have a gym. I know we talked about you like to go to the gyms. It's kind of your escape. And, yeah, man. Um, you know, and, and where I live a little bit further out, um, we don't actually live in, we used to live in Nashville uh, mm-hmm. and we've moved out. So we have, we have some land the kids can play on and things like that. Well, I'm a good 30 minutes from the nearest gym. Right. Well, two little kids, you know, we've got several businesses and traveling mm-hmm. and everything going on. I don't want to take an hour out of my day driving just to go to right. the gym. So right. I, you know, I've made like a salmon ladder that doubles as a squat rack and I have some weights in the backyard. Well, you don't even need weights necessarily. You can use a backpack. You can use your kids. Uh, you can use whatever's around you, a bucket, a wheelbarrow yeah. to really use some of these to get fit. And, you know, if it's just like, Hey, for the next 28 days, I'm going to, I'm going to walk for five minutes. Like, yeah, if you're like, hey, yeah, I- dude, that that's right. That's right. Don't focus on the distance. Focus on the time that yeah. you're elevating your heart rate. So exactly. And you, and you say, all right, I'm going to I'm going to see how many laps in the backyard I can do in five minutes. And it, you know what's good about that, Brooks, is you can measure it. Exactly. You can measure yeah. it and, and, and see if you're getting after and, it. And I, I mean, anybody listens to this podcast, I dare them if I mean, if if they don't have five minutes to walk in their backyard, yeah. um then I want them to send me a message because I, you yeah. know, I mean, it, it's like, if you don't have five minutes, like you really need to rethink your life. Um, Roger that. You know, get up five minutes early before the kids get up, before life hits you. Don't even worry about your phone. Once again, just five minutes. You, you're walking. It's silent. Pray. Think about what your day's going to be. You know, think about what you can do for somebody else in five minutes of walking. Do that for the next 28 days. You'll be surprised because I mean, like, if you've got five minutes, you're probably going to start adding in like, man, after five minutes, I feel good. I'm able to do five more and you mm. keep going. Yeah. And, and and you think about like, well, man, 1% is not going to make a big difference. And, mm-hmm. and I think it is like, um, if you do one, per, <laughs> like, you know, if you have, let's say if you have a uh, money, money wise, and if you put, if you put it in a, in a, any kind of money, money fund, if you will, and it gets 1% better. Over the course of a year, uh, that like one dollar will turn into like thirty eight dollars. Yeah, it's called compounding interest. Yeah. But if you but if you sit on if you don't if it gets one percent worse, which is doing nothing every day, if you will, you go from having a dollar to having three cents. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'd rather have thirty eight than three cents. Um, yeah, and, and that's and that's just like the one percent that you think about. And and if you fall off the wagon, you're like, oh man, I overslept. I don't have time for five minutes and walk. Do it during lunch. Do it when you get home. Take your kids outside. And, you know, the kids want to go outside and play. Go play with the kids yeah. for five minutes, 10 minutes outside yeah. and incorporate it that way. And it's just about getting things going. But once I said, like, I try to give somebody that 28 day commitment, just commit, you know, make it a covenant. Like, I'm going to do something for 28 days. And right. in the 28 days, you know, it's only really three days a week. And then you have four rest days. Mm hmm. You know, so you're really, really doing 12 days of work in 28 days, but you're sticking with yeah. it. And you know, the other days, like I said, you just walk and you just get out and play and you do things. And, and the workouts shouldn't take long, 10, 15 minutes, you know, 
And if, as you feel better, you might do 30 minutes, but just going to increase as you go. I've gotten crazy. Yeah. Because, because it, look, guys, I'm going to tell you, when you get started, your body is going to fight you. All right. It's going to crave the sugar. It's going to crave all the crap that you used to eat. Um, your brain is your worst enemy. And so I learned this when we were in the Navy, going through boot camp, right? Getting after it. Um, your brain is, will tell you things that you want to be comfortable. You don't want to be uncomfortable. All right. It's going to, it's going to throw obstacles in front of you to get you off of the path that you need to be on. I've gotten to a point, Brooks, that whatever my brain is telling me that I want to do, I go do the opposite. Exactly. Like, you know, you really want to stop and rest. I mean, this sucks. You know, you run, shut up. I'm hitting it. Uh, I'm going after, I'm getting after it even harder now because my brain is telling me that what I want to be comfortable, that what I want is to be comfortable. And that's, what's going to happen. The first, like the first maybe week of that 28 day period, I'm going to tell guys, you don't even have to make 28 days. You got to make it through the first week. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound harder than it is, but that's going to be the most difficult part. And that's because your body is going to fight you. It's going to want to get you back to a point of where you were comfortable before. And you need to overcome that. And eventually your body will fall in line. Say, okay, well, I'm not winning this one. I guess I'll just go along with it. And dude, when that switch gets hit, then you're going to want to go crazy. I think about <laughs> it, you know, and I've heard everyone is an addict on some scale for something. Yeah. And, and if you look, if you're looking at like AA and a lot of uh, addiction uh, recovery programs, right? Like all, like all, you know, if you ever talk to an addict or anything, you know, like, like I, you know, I, I, I am, I am an addict and all I'm trying to do is get through today. Like, yeah. you know, it's like they want that drink, but I'm not going to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. And it's the same way with the working out, like, you know, like in, in your body, um, your body says, oh, you know, your mind says, I, like, you know, it's raining. Man, I didn't sleep good. Yeah. And you're like, well, we'll take a day off tomorrow. Excuses. Yeah. Yeah. They're noble. <laughs> they're noble excuses, man. My kids. And they're legit. Lot. Yeah. Like, they're, you're not making them up. They're legit. I mean, it's truly raining outside. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It's raining outside. My, my kids have this going on, you know, and it, I didn't sleep well. Well, I may be going three hours of sleep, but. You know, get once again, it. yeah, you're going to go after it. Like you said, your, your body, you're going to beat that. You're going to kind of, you know, what Jack LaLanne said, uh, your body's a slave and you're the master. You tell it what to do. Mm. Like, it, you know, it, it and it's yeah. up to you. I mean, all the, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I've had the honor of working some great athletes mm -hmm. and you see them on TV and you're like, man, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. But I, you know, I've, I've seen guys who, after they're done with their career, they just, you know, they turn into slobs. If you know, you know, mm -hmm. they just don't do anything. And yeah. it was just that discipline that they had. And, you know, that's the difference in like an all-star and a guy just in the minor leagues is they, you know, they go and do the reps even when they don't want to do it. And that's, right. that's the big thing. Is, and it's a battle. Make it a game against yourself. Yeah. You've seen, you've seen like David Goggins and seen his story, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, and one of the things that he said that I just, he said he, he, he always wanted to be uncommon around uncommon men. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Roger that. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and like Jerry Seinfeld, um, as great a comedian as he is, 
he has a calendar and he said he would put a red X every day that he wrote a joke. And his mm-hmm. goal was to never break the streak of red X's. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for, for us, for working out, for doing things, that's really what, you know, we're like, all right, make that red X. Did I do something today? Did, you know, did I, yeah. did I do something today? That, yeah. You don't have, it doesn't have to be, did I spend an hour at the gym? Doesn't be, did I run a mile? Like, Again, I want to get better. I don't want to yeah. be perfect. Did I do, I mean, just like, did I do 10 reps? Did I do a hundred reps? Did I spend five minutes of exercise? Whatever it is, just make that list and set that goal and just like, did I do it? Yeah. Yeah. Who's ever telling me they can't do that's full of shit. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you said something. Um, well, let me ask you. Uh, you know, I'll ask you this first. So one of the things I found on your Instagram that, <laughs> dude, I just, I loved. It said, fix your posture every time you touch your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and dude, it's like you're tying something good to something that something that you should be doing to something that you always do without even thinking. Yeah. And I was just like, well, like when I said that, I just sat up straight. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I, dude, do you have any more? Because that to me is like, holy crap, man, that's awesome. Fix your posture every time you touch your phone. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's. I always try to make things applicable to anyone and everyone. Like I said, I'm, I, I like to challenge myself and do ridiculously hard, tough things that I like I, Einstein said, my habits will kill you. Um, <laughs> and, and there's times I'm like, I, you know, what, what's the toughest thing I can do today? Like, let me find something stupid that, you know, I might get injured doing, but it will make me tougher and better. Kind of like you said, David Goggins does a lot of times, but for me, that, you know, for anyone, I want to find things that they're doing every day. It's like when you get to a stoplight or when you come to a stop sign, you fix your posture. Or mm. when you come to a stoplight, take three deep, calming breaths, you know, just in and out, real deep belly breaths. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when you do that, you get more relaxed, your blood pressure goes down, and you feel better. Um, you know, and, and Every, you know, when you, before you get home, before you walk in to see the wife and the kids, you know, even if it's sitting in a car, whatever it is, take a minute to write down whatever's on your mind. Um, Take five, you know, take, you know, a couple big breaths before you go in the house so that you're not dragging all that stress at work. Yeah. Um, You know, and I've I've heard some guys like, man, I got a tree in my front yard. I was like, all right, do like, go do pull-ups, do five pull-ups or just hang on the tree for a minute and think about like, Oh, I'm hanging all my stress and worry on this tree. I'm not taking it in. Cause that's a lot of times we do that. You know, we like bring everything home with us and, and yeah. we never, we never shut it off. Um, you know, and, and have a spot maybe in your house where for two hours you put your phone, charge it and you don't touch it when you get home uh, where you're present with your family instead of always looking at, you know, what responding Instead of responding yeah. to what's on the phone or whatever, just you're you're actually acting and and involved and present Check. where you are. So I, there's a lot of little things like that. It's just the simple things that we don't think of, like I, you know. And, and I think a lot of it's like, where am I? I question myself. Where am I falling short? And how mm-hmm. can I get better? Every every day, I kind of look at my day. It's like, what what have I done today? You know, what did I do to get better? And how can I get better? And tomorrow from what I did today. And some of it's like, man, I was snappy. 
I was yeah. frustrated. I was tired. And I got snappy with wife and kids. And so tomorrow I'm going to, you know, make sure to spend that time and get up an hour earlier to get my stuff done so that mm-hmm. whenever I'm with them a, tomorrow night, yeah, there, I'm there's not a trying lot to get of self reflection. Yeah, there's a lot of self-reflection yeah. in that too that's that's difficult. I mean, it's a, again, it's uncomfortable, which means that it's probably good for you. Yes. If it's uncomfortable, it's probably a good thing to be doing. Yeah. Uh but there's a lot of self-reflection in what did I suck at yesterday and what do I not want to suck at tomorrow? Um you know, it's like you mentioned getting up early. We had a uh, a couple of things couple of different little motivating signs when I was in the service. Um, number one, Al-Qaeda thanks you for not giving 100% today. <laughs> that was the first one. Um, and then another one uh, that comes from, you know, someone that uh, I think it is, you know, up at whatever time. You know, if it's 5, 5 a.m. is early for you, up before the enemy. And it just gives you time to get your brain Man, it when you jump out of bed just in time to get ready to go to work or do whatever it is you got to do, man, you start at a hundred. And our bodies aren't. We're just not. We're. I don't, I don't think we're wired that way. I like getting up early to where I can think about number one. I can, I can talk to God and just have that quiet time of reflection. Like God, you're just you're awesome. <laughs> and you know, the 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 things that we can experience and the fact that you you actually died for us is amazing to me but i need that time in the morning because if i don't i push the things out that i really should be doing that better me mentally and spiritually and i just focus on what's right in front of me um and i just i find that the earlier i get up the number one the more you can accomplish uh but the the better you feel about your day in the life of as in in total as a whole if that makes any sense so completely yeah we wake up <clears throat> in reaction it's like react- yeah 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 that's you, it i mean if you woke up to hearing gunfire like you yeah. know, I mean, that but that's really um say you know if you woke up hearing a grizzly bear at your door back in the day we went to a fight or flight mode instantly, but we wake up yeah. like that. We wake up, like we pick up the phone. Oh, look at the news. Look what's happening today. Look who did this or mm. that. And, 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 and it's all day long. It just sits that, that save that mountaintop. There's a ball in the mountaintop and whether it's mm-hmm. spiritually, mentally, physically, I always like that comparison because you can roll the ball down either side and it's once the ball yeah. gets rolling, it's hard. like, like physically we're talking about like, if you start eating, eating better, you feel better. You work out more. You feel better. You eat better, and it, that ball keeps rolling. But it, yeah. but then on the other side, once again, like for this, like you wake up and you're instantly like the cortisol levels are high. You're stressed. You're worried. You're in a rush, and you keep going that same path all day long. But if you wake up mm-hmm. and you take the time to welcome the morning and get accustomed to, hey, here we go, and you're going to get that ball rolling, and the day just goes better. Yeah, no doubt. Um- you know, for me, it's it's weights, and I'm finally able to run again. My knees were just terrible because they were carrying around 300 pounds all day. You know, cardio, 
jujitsu get some yeah and you were inflamed as well because of all the yeah junk in your body yeah no kidding hey talk about training versus exercising and what i mean by that is like you mentioned going out west on some of these elk hunts like up and down mountains which just sucks yeah <laughs> um especially whenever you, you're sea level yeah yeah no kidding when you're yeah or below like we are <laughs> um talk about training or, or working training into your exercise routine as hunting season, you know, comes closer. Because I know a lot of guys that'll start filling their backpack up and including that in their walk or their run or or whatever. Do you do any of that? Do you? How do? You, how does that look for you? I always look at personally as well as anybody I'm working with. What are your goals? What do you want to do? And if it's, I mean, if you're just sitting in a duck blind, I still you still need to be in better shape. But let's work. Mm. You know, we may be working on. Mobility of your hips, uh, you know, making sure that your your you know so your back doesn't hurt after sitting in a duck blind for a month straight. Uh, but if you're going out west, like, well, we're going to have to climb mountains. And if you're at sea level or below, you don't have mountains to climb. But the better shape we can be in, the better we're going to be ready for that. And so I will. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to make sure your pack fits well. Mm-hmm. That and so when you get there, you're not throwing your pack on you got a hundred pounds in your pack and you're hiking up down mountains and you're not used to it. It's rubbing you raw. It's, it's aggravating you. Um, So you always want to test out your gear, do the hikes, train as best you can. If you can find, you know, if if you've got a levee or if you've got a hill that you can walk up and down, do that. I mean, it's, it's not going to be the mountain, but, but it's the closest thing you have. My granddad always say, uh, Use what you have, where you are, with what you got. You know, something to that effect. Where you just, like, yeah. you, if I'm at sea level, I don't have a mountain to climb, but I can find a levee or find a hill and walk up and down. And it's going to get my heart rate going. It's going to get me working the muscles that I'm going to need to climb the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to have to get the best shape I can so I can hopefully adjust to that altitude quicker. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and uh, working out and exercising training, a lot of times are interspersed. The exercise is just, you're just, you're just like exercise is, is what you're doing, maybe just to be in shape, to be fit. But training, you have a purpose. And, right, and right, right. it's your purpose. You know, if you're training, you're like, man, I want to get stronger. Well, let's do that. If you're like, I mean, I want to train and be more mobile for jujitsu. Let's do that. If mm. you're, I've got an elk hunt coming up. Well, let, we're going to adjust the training to maybe add some more endurance cardio type stuff where you're going to put your pack on and hike. Yeah. And you know, for us, dude, for us, uh, so guys are listening, well, you know, I'll hunt ducks in flooded timber. All I have to do is stand there. Yeah. Tell me how your back feels. Yeah. Standing in flooded timber next to a tree after hunting for four, three to four to five hours in the morning. It feels like jello. Yeah. And it feels like that because you're not, you're not training that particular muscle. You don't have a goal to strengthen those particular sets of muscles and you're doing that activity. 60 days maybe out of the season and you wonder why you're back oh i'm just getting older no i'm older than most of the guys that i hunt with good luck keeping up with me now period full stop right (laughs) my back doesn't hurt anymore because i work my back i understand that my lower back if i don't exercise it during the other 305 days out of the year 60 days out of the year my lower back is going to kill me just from standing in water yeah and and, you know maybe also, you put your you put your waders on and you stand on a couch cushion or a pillow because 
that yep. that marsh is not solid concrete ground. Mm-mm. And, you know, just stand on one foot. That's going to work your balance, which, once again, it's going to improve your back. It's going to improve your core. You're going to do planks, maybe, mm. instead of sit-ups, because it's not as yep. not as compressing on the back. And it's going to work your core and your pillar, if you will, that you're going to be able to stand and hold that firm. Yeah. And if you step on a log, you start tripping, you're able to catch yourself. And it's, you know, once again, it's what are you trying to do? Um, if I'm working with an NFL, if I'm working with a baseball player, if I'm working with a CrossFit athlete, or if I'm working with a power lifter, they all have goals of being the best they can be, mm-hmm. but each one is going to need something different. Different objectives. Exactly. Right, you got the same goal, but based on where you are, there are a different set of objectives that you need to accomplish to get to that goal. Yeah. And even in, say, you know, if you've got a linebacker versus a quarterback, you know, linebacker, he wants to run hard and hit somebody hard. The mm-hmm. quarterback, I want to throw the ball and get rid of it so I don't get hit. That's yeah. in this total different programs. And, and that's one thing I really um, – I liked whenever I work with people and they tell me, hey, this is my goal. Like, bam, all right, let's see where you are. This is your goal. Now we got to figure out how to go from A to B and, and what we need. And in six months after your elk hunt – in September, you may be, hey, I'm going to spend the next, I'm going to, you know, from in December and January, I'm going to be duck hunting. Well, you know, let's spend October, November getting ready for a duck hunt now. Let's, we're going to change the program a little bit, work on some mm-hmm. things. So I always mm-hmm. try to, whenever I'm, you know, working with folks, whether it's personally or anyone else, what is the goal? And that's really what we, you know, that's the training aspect of training for that goal. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. What else you have coming up, man? What's so you you know in addition to your physical therapy practice and writing books and speaking and um, what's next, bro? What's happening? Well, man, right now I'm really into a phase of of working on just getting the message out to help more outdoorsmen. Mm-hmm. That is that is really what we're pouring into right now. So that's your goal. That's it. So it's what it. are the objectives? Man? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and from now I'm really, it's been, uh, starting to work on a podcast just, you know, with your podcast and, and been on a few others really, yeah, you need to do one really got my, really got my fire going and, and just help, um, yeah. help guys improve their health and fitness, but also the spiritual aspect, the mental aspect of just getting mm-hmm. better and, yeah. and, and for me, once again, you know, I'm 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 in Tennessee. I, I'm not I'm not a big climb a mountain guy. I want right. to help the everyday hunter. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you want to go, if you want to go climb a mountain, um, we can do that. We'll talk about that. But so I, I'm I'm in the process right now of, of getting things in line. Uh, just really talking about how to get how to get fit. You know, to be out in the wilderness and and uh, just trying to get that going and. Yeah. Trying to share as much as I can. We're, we're making some videos. I'm planning on. I've got an elk hunt coming in September. Oh and, yeah. And uh, planning on uh, doing a little documentary style of of the prep, the whole trout traveling all the way to Idaho, and the plan is to bring home a truck full of meat to feed the family. So um, trying to yeah man trying to trying to try my hand. Like I said, I had a TV show for a while, but we had some. We had some guys who knew what they were doing, and this is going to be uh, pretty much all me doing documentary style. Uh, so I'll probably be uh, – I may be hitting you up for some for some advice, but uh, yeah, just trying to lean in to see what I can do. And once again, the whole mission is just get – help guys. Well, the whole mission is to help some kid have his granddad another day in the woods. That's That's the whole mission right there. Yeah. 
Man, that's good. I, uh, I've enjoyed it. Man, we've gone almost well, well over an hour and a half now, man. I told you, it just it flies. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to jump into, or uh, did we did we cover man, everything? I, I could I could probably go forever talking about this stuff. I love it so much. But I mean, that's why you need to have your own podcast. I know, bro. I know. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm in the process. I've actually got um, you know I said. I'm doing more speaking events as they come mm. up, wild game suppers, yeah. uh, colleges, high schools, just being able to come in and talk to talk to kids about hunting, about fitness, and about faith, and just yeah. share that with them. But once again, it's great that I can always sneak in because, hey, here's this guy that's an American Ninja Warrior. I can I go under the guise of, we're, let's talk about overcoming obstacles yeah, that man. stand in your way. Because growing up, you know, I was ADD, uh, dyslexic, stuttered, and... Now I get in front of people and talk, and I write stuff down. So it's it's uh it's kind of crazy, but uh, you know, and God's plan is crazy, yeah. man. When you sit back and look at, I it. know, I was like, I can't, you know, it's one of those you set God sized goals. I, I couldn't do this by myself, and right, but right. Uh, yeah, no I mean, I've, got, I've got a few other book ideas I'm working on. Um, just another fitness fitness focused book, a faith focused book, and and, and a couple recipe uh, books of you know just healthy recipes, yeah. and that's really what's coming up next, and is. I'm looking, you know, for more speaking events, trying to get out there, and like I said, getting the getting a podcast going so I can uh, rant and rant and rave a little bit and see if anybody wants to hear yeah, crazy, crazy stuff that I want to say. So. Man, you'd be surprised. Well, um, I am going to put all of your contact information, social media contact information, websites, link to books, all that stuff in the show notes. So if anybody is listening, um, I the the healthy hunter, healthy hunter becoming. The Ultimate Predator was just, it was an awesome read uh, for me. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man, and look forward to uh, to just establishing a long relationship that we can help each other, man. Anything that I can do to help you, just just let me know. I appreciate you being on today, though, man. It's a blessing and an honor. And I hope, I just pray someone got, got some good out of it. I think, I think someone did. I appreciate it, Brooks. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Yeah. Brooks, thank you for spending time with us today. I am sure that you motivated someone out there to eat a little better and move around a little more. And we'll be looking for your podcast, so you better get up and get after it. Thank you so much, Brooks. We appreciate it, man. We'd like to also thank Edge Duck Boats, Tahatsu Outboards, Retail Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, and Sitka Gear for supporting Passion of Pursuit and Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. Without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do. So I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We appreciate it. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. It helps us to continue to keep climbing up the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the show with a hunting buddy. We really appreciate that, too. That is all the time that we we have. Thank you all so much for listening. Keep listening. Keep sharing. We love you. That's all the time we have. Until next episode, bye-bye, y'all.